Cotton, six for nine at Cockermouth. That's Ben Stokes' old club, isn't it? Cockermouth Cricket Club. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Wimbledon, the Upminster CC podcast. Um, happy to be back with you, with with us this week, uh, with me this week. I've got Nicky I and Fester. Uh, Nick, how are you? Hello mate, how are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Um, very much uh, looking forward to coming out of this lockdown a week's time and being over the club, hopefully about two weeks. And obviously our... our our first game is very near on the 10th, so just sort of counting, counting down the days, really. And uh, it's been such a boring winter, but yeah, things are things looking bright. How are you? Yeah, very, very, very good, mate. Um, same as you, very bored. Sick to death of being at home. Um, but, you know, it's all for a good cause, isn't it? And hopefully vaccination soon, not illegally. I have no Ratton. idea what you're about, mate. St. <laughs> Ratton. <laughs> Bad bloke, football referees. We all know, we all know they're bad blokes, don't we? Um, at, at at Met Police, if they're, if they're on this one, um, <laughs> I'm sure they listen. Uh, Fester, how are you? How are you, mate? How are things? All right, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, things are good. Uh, same old. Uh, looking forward to the cricket season. Let's let's hope uh, let's hope it it goes ahead as we hope. Um, I believe it when I see it. I still, I still think there could be a few bumps in the road, but yeah, all good, mate. Looking forward to to getting out there and playing again. Excellent, excellent. Um, and just, just, just talking about that really. Um, for those for those guys who are listening, and um, there has been a a roadmap, a return to cricket map um, released by the ECB in the last couple of days. Um, I think essentially it looks like from the 29th, we can kind of do do what we did sort of most of last year, I think. Um, so it's going to be out. I think it looks like it's going to be turn up in your whites or in your training kit, get changed outside job. So, yeah, we look, we, it look, looks as if we're going to be back playing. Um, obviously, the the league have changed the League Cup for the, for the travel, but not the league. Um, I'll see if that's going to stay. I think it will be... I'm um, not quite sure the logic in that one, personally, but I can understand... I can understand people not wanting to travel twice in a weekend. I can sort of get that. So um, they are trying stuff. The league have done a very good job. I'm not criticising them at all. But uh, but but yeah, I think I think there's going to be, as you say, Fester, um, some some bumps in the road maybe, and a few changes and some last minute things like there has been the whole way through. Yeah, I see. They, I see they changed the league cup. We got to buy, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> Depend, depends. It depends if Frankie's playing, doesn't it? Oh, oh, oh giddy up, that's it, yeah. Same yeah, sort of yeah. thing, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could regret that. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right, mate. To, 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 you'll be in the twos over at Gallo. You'll be, you'll be yeah. in the twos over at Gallo. Yeah, Gallo. hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> this week, we've got one of our regular hosts sitting in, sitting in the chair, uh, sitting in the guest chair. Um, Captain of the 1996 match play sides, um, was the first 11 keeper during the 2005 Division 2 promotion campaign, 
Um, in the recent years, he's won a uh, third level Premier League title and two indoor titles. He's currently ranked fourth in the Upminster CC all-time play cricket runs with 7,373 runs at 22, including his infamous 161 asterisk at Woodford Wells. In 2018, he was awarded the honour of becoming the eighth life vice president. We could go on and on and on, but uh, regarding what he does off the pitch, but we'll save some of that for later. He's a true UCC Hall of Famer. Please welcome Paul Middlemiss. Evening, Paul. How are you? Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Nice, uh, nice intro there. Made, made me sound quite good with a couple of bits you dropped in. Although I'm not sure you did your maths and your research on play cricket. I was checking myself earlier to pull you up on any discrepancies. And if that was Nick, 7373 three, seven, three at 22 is harsh, Nick. It's 22.9. I thought you would have rounded that up to uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. 23. <laughs> Should have ended up. Apologise if, if you're as bad a player as me. Point nine <laughs> of a run is uh, at this stage of your career is, is quite important. So uh, twenty two point nine. So in, in, yeah, in, 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 in spunky maths, that's thirty odd. Thirty odd. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that, that is definitely thirty odd. You could yeah, round that yeah. a bit further for me, to be honest. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to start, I mean, how how did how did you first get into the game? How did you first get into cricket? Yeah, like. I think like a lot of uh, lads of my era, to be honest, Jab, it was it was more through watching cricket on the box uh, than playing, to be honest. I, I don't think cricket was uh, as accessible to, to normal lads at, at, at a young age when we were younger. Thankfully, these days, if you look at clubs around our way, like Upminster, Hornchurch, Raynham with big, big cult sections and, and welcoming for kids, I'm, I'm not sure cricket clubs were necessarily like that back, back 30 years ago, if you know what I mean. So... Mine was all through through watching cricket on, on the BBC back then. Not as much cricket on overall, but it was on terrestrial telly. So I think more, more people watched it. Recreating those games over the park with Stu and a few of the lads around here in Cranham. And then the, the, the first series I remember watching was, was actually the 89 Ashes when England were thumped. Uh, Beast may remember. You and Nick were obviously too young for that. They were thumped 4-0 by the Aussies and it was, it was Steve Waugh's big breakthrough. He got a lot of runs. I remember Dad managed to get tickets for Australia v Essex at Chelmsford. It was when the touring sides played all the counties and they were, they were proper games. And, and so Steve Waugh came into bat at four for, uh, for the Aussies that day. And I was excited to see him bat. And then John Childs ruined my day. Uh, trapped <laughs> Waugh LBW for one. The whole crowd was ecstatic apart from me who had been waiting all day to watch him bat. So, uh, and then me and Dad just watched a lot of Essex back in those early 90s. I won two championships uh, and then was like playing a little bit at school. There was a bit of school cricket at Coopers, uh, maybe more than some of the lo- local schools. We were lucky. And then Ollie started playing at Upminster in 93. We were mates at school and, and he'd gone along to Upminster with Doggy, who he lived next door to, uh, and Lloydie. Uh, and I got into it through them. But I think what people may be not aware of these days is how different the club was Back then in 93, John Sutton had only just really started the, uh, the cult section back up in 1992. There wasn't a lot of kids. Things like training were very different. We used to do uh, Thursday nights at Hall Mead with Doggy's dad, Steve Room, used to take the nets. It'd basically be an hour of uh, people bowling half trackers and everyone trying to whack the ball into the old outdoor derelict swimming pool at Hall Mead. <laughs> you probably remember. Uh, and then Saturday mornings at the club on the outfield, we didn't have nets, we didn't have much equipment or anything like that. 
So we just used to do a game or a bit of fielding. I think it was the second Saturday morning session that I went to when uh, I hadn't played a proper game yet, but JS had spotted that the running between the wickets had not been good in, in, the, in the game the previous Sunday. So we, we did like a game where JS and Colin Wright were the batsmen and they were going to demonstrate how to run, how to call, you know, the sort of thing, wait, yes, no, get that working. And I, I was stood watching in the field and, and the ball got hit out and, and John Sutton and Colin Wright did the, completed the first run and they did an exaggerated call and turn to demonstrate calling. And halfway back down the wicket, not watching where they were going, JS and, and Colin Wright ran slap bang into one another. JS, glasses <laughs> broken off his feet. Uh, and that was kind of the way the training was uh, back then. No, no, nothing like we have now with, with, with nets and equipment and things. But it, it was a great time. And, and John Sutton obviously had, had put, as you guys are all aware, some of the modern members may not even know John uh, He's a life vice president. It was him who got all that started. Uh, and it, it was a very different different time. Senior sides only had uh, two Saturday teams, Sunday twos, just a friendly team on the Sundays. And I, I remember playing a game in that side right at the end of the 93 season as a 13-year-old. Just went from there, really, Jab. Just, just loved being at the club, loved the characters around the club. Uh Played football up until that stage, but and and, and was an okay footballer, I guess. But I, I, I just loved the atmosphere at, at the cricket club, if you know what I mean. That that was our going to. Yeah, JS an absolute legend of the club, isn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. He's, he's done pretty much everything, isn't he? Except be chairman or something or something along yeah, those lines. Think, he's done pretty much every role. I, I, th- I think John probably would never want to be chairman because he just likes. Not that the chairman doesn't, and Ollie does more, more than anyone now. But do you know what I mean? John, John didn't want like a fuss or. or, or Standing up, he's not a, a speech maker or anything like that, but he's just, just done, as so many people have over the years, you, you guys know that more than anyone, but he, he just did so much in so many different roles for so long that the club wouldn't be the club he is today and in the position that he is today without, without people particularly like John. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Who was your first um, adult captain, Paul? That's the, that first game I played in 93, I'm pretty sure it was KM, Keith Martin. Uh, that was a Sunday game, and it was classic Sunday twos. It was Haven Atty Bower away up on the hill, nice ground. Uh, I think I'd made <laughs> 10 night out or something in a Colts game, which was considered 20. quite good. So I'd got the call up on a, on a Thursday night. I, I batted eight or nine. I was down to bat eight or nine and didn't bat, uh, and I obviously didn't bowl. Uh, and it was – but I didn't – no one moaned. <laughs> I think now – Parents sometimes have a dig when their kid don't bat or bowl or anything like that. My old man was just pleased I'd been picked, you know what I mean? And uh, and in the first proper season I played Saturdays, Nick was a great man who, who I think most of you know, Tony Richards, Tony One Run Richards. Yes. Yes. Uh, and there were some characters in that side, a lot of teachers. Tony, Tony Richards and Gwyn had got a lot of teachers in to keep yeah. the two running, basically. There was a guy, Beast, may remember, called Clive Avis, a wicketkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he was a keeper in 94, 95. He used, he used to get changed into his whites as soon as we started. Uh, and if we were batting, he, he'd put his whites on, he'd, he'd, uh, he'd put his trainers or his flip-flops on and he'd stroll with the racing post over to Labrooks up on the corner by the lights. <laughs> but of course, he batted seven or eight. And remembering we were struggling back in those days, most weeks we were three or four down within a couple of overs and one of us had been dispatched. There was no mobile phones or anything. Someone would be dispatched, going, getting back out of Labrooks to pad up. <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing. I'd lose my 
<laughs> temper with over now if someone was doing <laughs> back then me and dad dad used to watch me every week we used to think they like were hilarious do you know what i mean it was uh, very different right let's move on to the main event of our careers middle it's 20 <laughs> it's 25 years this year since we uh made that match play final what do you remember of the the whole season in general and uh, my, my impressions were when we got the draw we had we got a very very good draw Ilford and Giddy were by far yeah. the best teams in our age group and they were drawn in the same group That's so right, I yeah. think I think we all felt from an early stage we could have we had a chance of a decent run what do you yeah, remember I, of it no no I would agree it's weird I was thinking about that earlier and, and don't tell Buff you think we had a decent draw and a bit of luck because <laughs> I know he gets very defensive if he's listening he like uh, he doesn't like anyone criticising us, but but I, I think you're right. I, I think uh, Gideon and Ilford probably had seven each of the Essex squad at, at that time. They, they were that dominant. Do you, do you know what I mean? We yeah. knew a lot of the Gideon lads like Jeff and people who you and Nick and Jab as well would all know. Jeff Thomas, and then there was people like Batchy, Phil Walker, John Baker, uh, Glenn Winnie. They, they had a, a really good site. Like Gideon back then, as, as you all were aware, Nick played a bit there. They produced match play finalist sides year on year Steve Foster, Steve Foster Wild did an amazing job there uh, it was all a bit mad because the cult section had only really been going two or three years I think I think that that's what people kind of forget and and the match play then as you would all know was a big thing I think at that time and back until up until probably 2010 2011 I would say the match play was a real big thing for cult sides uh, there was prize money it was a big sponsor when we were in it, Mobile. Uh, 48 places to get in it filled up. Uh, it's not like now where, where you can send your entry in when you want. You had to get your entry in early, otherwise you'd miss out. And the club hadn't been in it for two or three years until we got back in in 1995. And we won our first game that year against Hutton, which I think you were injured for, Beast, if I remember rightly. Yeah, uh, I don't, yeah, I didn't play that one. No. Yeah, and it, it was VE day. It was Bank Holiday Monday. The club was all decorated. It was a barbecue game. It felt like the whole club was there watching because it was the first year we'd been back in it. Uh, and we beat Hutton, who were a good side. And I think we thought, you know, it's like that age. We thought we were a bit tasty. We were starting to beat most of the Haven clubs about then as well when we beat Hutton. And, and we, we, we thought we were a good side and we were brought back down to earth with a bump in the rest of it. Gideon Park thrashed us uh, by about 150 runs. We lost to Chelmsford. We lost to Springfield. And we lost on a bowl out to Bentley even the group games had to be decided <laughs> back then and and so I don't even think we were guaranteed to get in it for 96 Beast no uh, no I think you're we right we had to wait in the winter to find out whether we were even in it and then the draw came out and, and we did have uh, a sort of favourable draw we had South Woodford who, who were a big club then uh, and obviously played the other lads here in, in 2007 in the final we had once did which sounds ominous but they once did weren't like they are now, if that makes sense. Ilford were the team in that area back then. Uh, we had Good Mays and Blythes, which we didn't know a lot about, but we didn't think they'd be too strong. And we had Bentley again. And I think we, we beat South Woodford in the first game and then we beat Wanstead in a real tight game. And, and it kind of spiralled from there, based if, if you probably remember the Wanstead game, where <laughs> we were about 60 for five chasing 180 and Rob, uh, Rob O'Brien was batted and was run out, man-cadded by their, yeah. uh, by their spinner. And their captain, Nashi, had to give him. You know what Nashi's like. He's honest. He, he, even though he was in an awkward position, he was our umpire. He said to Rob, you've got to go. 
and, and their captain, I think David Mason, his name was, he was a decent player. Was, he came running over and called Rob back because we were 65. And I think they thought <laughs> it didn't matter and he was doing the sporting thing. Uh, and then Rob made 65 not out <laughs> and won the game. And I remember this bloke Mason chasing us off the pitch at the end of the game, telling us we were like effing <laughs> shit. He's only one because he's a top man for calling Rob back and all that, which was probably true to an extent. I think Buff fronted him up a little bit at the end of the game, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And I think Buff made a silly comment when we were 60 for five. You know what Buff's like? He said, if we win this game, I'll get my head shaved afterwards. Yeah. For some reason, someone had a pair of clippers in their car. Yeah, yeah. Pharaoh Brian was shaving Buff's head in the changing rooms after the game. It, it was all a bit weird, but Rob batted very well. And and then we beat we beat Bentley in the last game was at Goodmays. I don't know if Nick's played at Goodmays Park in any of his... Uh, yeah, I think we played... Three catches, some of the cricket, yeah. The, the, the wicket, we turned up, it, it was awful. Well, it uh, wasn't a wicket, was it? Really? No, it, like it was real bad. <laughs> we could see they weren't going to be strong. Again, we got 180, and I remember they came out to bat. Fester was opening the bowling. He's not quick, quick, but he was fairly quick for an under 16. And they had little lads who were like 13, 14, no lids uh, on this terrible wicket. And I remember the first over, Beast got a wicket. He nearly knocked two heads off. The other two went along the floor. And I walked up to Beast at the end of the over and said, I'm going to have to take you off, Beast. They, they were not for free after the first over. That's it. And I said... Don't, I, don't I miss said, that fact out. Well, I could remember that. Bit. I, remember, I remember I was. I said to you, I'm going to have to take you off, Beast. This is this is all wrong. And I remember Nashi come walking over and he went, uh, you are not taking him off. I've got a green bottle waiting over there and I want to get to it quick. I said, we better bowl another over. Next over, Beast gets another wicket, nearly kills another two kids. And Nashi comes walking over to me at the end of the over and goes, uh, get him off before he kills someone. <laughs> that was, because Wags got about 80 that day, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it was, honestly, I think they were, they were dog shit, weren't they? They weren't, they weren't, <laughs> they weren't no, they weren't a cricketer in them, honestly. But they had a lot of young lads, yeah. is how I was going to put it. It was one of the best eighties you'll ever see, mate. It was a ridiculous wicket. It was, yeah, yeah. It was how we got one eighty. I'll never know that. Pro, I mean, if it had been a good wicket, God knows we'd have probably got three fifty, and, and well, we couldn't we couldn't score a run back then either, could we? No, so, our batting was not our strong point. It shows no. you how bad the wicket was that Pecky came on when I had to take beast off and bowling seam up, mimicking Mark Eilock. Bowling left arm over from the far end, picked up five for seven with six slips and a gully in place. That that was kind of what sort of game it was. I remember being absolutely fuming because I've got four for nothing thinking I'm going to get eight. And I've been taken off and then Pecky, weren't even a bowler back then, just picked up five, haven't they? And I remember thinking... Bowling seam. Bowling seam and taking the piss out of everyone. And then yeah. for the next 20 years. You have to say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've I, I never got a Colts fire far, and he obviously's like, well, I've got one. Like, so. <laughs> I think if you move on to the quarterfinal beast, you were probably more wound up there uh, because we played Colchester. We weren't allowed to play Flanagan and Napier because they were contracted. Uh, they still have a pretty good side. We had the, it was at the Pegasus Club. I don't know if Jab and Nick ever played there, the Mobile Ground down at Corringham, lovely ground. It was wet wicket. And Beast bowled, uh, Beast bowled eight overs, seven maidens, three wickets, one run. And the one run was a misfield by Wrighty, which Beast has never forgiven him for. That's why we used to call Wrighty Perseal, because he didn't want to bend down and get his wife to And back then, Alan Lilly was the man of the match adjudicator. 
and we were all standing there after while Alan Lee did his speech and did the man of the match and everyone was just presuming beats to bold eight overs uh, three for one he's gone yeah great fast bowling display uh, games are won by fast bowlers in these conditions the man of the match and he, uh, the man of the match is Andy Powell who are taking like two for 25 or something and beast was fuming uh, <laughs> you got a 25 pound voucher spending the essence yeah, yeah it was all prize money well. and everything back I was then. absolutely gutted but anyway and then the semi-final was Buff's day but I mean Nick and Jab probably didn't see much of Buff actually playing but Buff was a good bowler and he got two or three wickets that day and then we, Beast was on holiday uh, yeah. we, were in, we were in big trouble and Buff was ahead of his time in some ways you didn't tend to go to Colts games and see kids in sixes in those days, uh, Buff was very much block or whack. But if he connected and had his day, he was, as you know, he's a big guy. He used to hit the ball a long way. Um, we were really struggling to get 130-odd. And Buff came in, <laughs> was hitting sixes over long on and long off, like, uh, against Billericay and turned the game back in our favour. And, uh, and, and and we beat him. We scrambled home by two wickets. Buff had come back early from his family holiday in Cornwall, I think, on his own on the train to play in that. So he had a free house and everyone went back to Buff. So I remember it got a bit out of hand. Wrecker threw an ashtray at someone or something. I can't remember what that was about. <laughs> uh, Buff had to throw him out at two in the morning, something like that. And there was a lot of out-of-date Forex or out-of-date John Smiths that we managed to get out of Buff's, Buff's dad's garage or shed, uh, which, which we went through. And then it was on to the final, which, as, as you guys know, and, which was a great day. Uh, as it was again in 2007 when when the other chaps got through, but it, it was a it was a strange day. I don't know what you remember about that piece, but it's very it is that genuinely quite blurry these days. It off, yeah, it's a long time ago, but yeah, I don't remember a lot. I remember a lot about the build up, but I don't remember a lot about the actual game. Yeah, like, like it was. I mean, we were completely outclassed, weren't we? They, they, yeah, they were they were by far a much better side. I remember you winning the toss, and we felt like we had a chance. Back then, we had to bowl first, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. We, we, um, we, the one group game we played against Bentley, we we batted first and we nearly lost, didn't we? Yeah, we only got one. Our batting was... It was weird, wasn't it? We were, we were a very good bowling side. De- definitely we, a bowling side. We would struggle to get 150 batting first, wouldn't we? But I remember, I remember the day before Essex lost to... Uh, Essex lost the NatWest Trophy final to Lancashire when they were bowled out for 60 hots. I'm sure Nick and Jab have seen it. Essex were only chasing 180 and then Glenn Chappell and Peter Martin come on. You've Is never that the one where Rollins gets done by an absolute jaff? That's it. That, Rollins yeah. walks off just laughing because he's just like, yes. I can't, can't play that. And, yeah. and then in the evening, it was Cobblers' 40th maybe or 50th birthday party at the club. And I remember we, we were all having a few beers down there, which yeah. is, again, he's just like, it just wouldn't yeah. happen now, rightly. And I remember getting in at 11 o'clock, like after a few beers, and Dad was waiting up and he's gone absolutely berserk. <laughs> it's like you're playing in the biggest game of your life uh, tomorrow. And I've come in half cut at 11 o'clock, like staggered in after uh, beers at Cobblers. And, and it, then, must have, it must have been his 50th, because otherwise I'd only make him 65 now. So it yeah, must be 75. I'm sure someone like Bobby will know how old he is. Yeah. And, then, and then the next day we had two coaches. There was players and parents. And then there was Bobby and Beza and the supporters club, as it was. And I remember they'd, they'd all been at Lords the day before and then uh, they were all back at the club at like eight in the morning. The, the bits I do remember, Beast, I remember the changing rooms were let down. I thought it was going to be all grand and special. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Jesus. 
There was the shit everywhere. Room. There was shit everywhere in the change rooms as well. Yeah, it was all old kit about, and we were like, yeah. the tea was terrible. Yeah, which is not important at a cup final, but it is to me, you, and Buff and people who we had in our team. Yeah, uh, and then I remember going out to kind of warm up. We didn't really warm up us lot, and Ilford were out there though. I mean, they've got James Foster doing his wicket-keeping drills. He's going on to be like the best <laughs> wicket-keeper in the world. And we didn't even have... We had like two old balls between us that we took out. And we are just wandering around. We'd never done a warm-up. And I remember think, our, think, our members think, were down in the executive boxes based in yeah, the corner. Yeah. And, and someone said, you've got to go and get someone to do a warm-up. I think we dragged Beza, who was already smashed, yeah. and uh, Kevin Gilbert out yeah, onto the outfield in was. his jeans. Yeah. So there's James Foster on one side of the ground, <laughs> future best wicket keeper in the world. And there's us with Bezer and Kevin Gilbert half cut whacking a few balls in the air and us lot isn't it back in. But uh they got two hundred odd. We were never gonna get that. Uh they had a bloke called Khalid Ishmael, Musin's brother Nick, who, who you know Musin at Fremford uh now. Khalid was quick. He's now the one who's now a UFC sort of MMA sort That's of thing now. Yeah, he's done kickboxing and things, and what, uh, what, uh, yeah, he was on. quick by anyone's standards. Yeah. And uh, we were all too nervous to wear one of the two lids that we had in the team in case we looked like <laughs> we were scared or whatever. So we're going out facing this bloke bowling quicker than anyone we've ever seen in our life on a, on a proper wicket. With no, I was uh, absolutely. Sh- I remember. I think I batted seven. And I think me and Pecky were sitting there genuinely counting down the balls to his spell, thinking, I ain't going out if he's still bowling. <laughs> he, he was proper quick, wasn't he? Yeah, he was... yeah. Way too quick for us. Yeah. Uh, and we got up to 80-odd, though. Wags batted well again. Foo got a few. Powley got a few. Yeah. And then I remember we were back to the club. Everyone went back to the club. It's one of the only times I've seen my dad drunk, to be honest. He's not a big drinker, as you know. And I remember my dad, Bezza was trying to do bar. Like, he's been on the source by now for like 12 hours, Bez, and he was trying to do, <laughs> run the bar. Uh, everyone had a few beers. And it, it, it was great. Uh, we were never going to win in reality. But no. I think it was a big moment for the club, in all honesty, to, to have got to that stage. Uh, and it laid the foundations... We didn't get there again for another 11 years when Jab and the boys got there and we've not got there uh, since, which is a shame considering we're stronger as a club now. But but it did lay the foundations, I think, for, for a lot of what was to come. Colts and senior cricket. And a lot of those guys still play. When you think that when you joined a bit before me, the club basically went from not having a Colts section to getting to the, the county's premier competition... Like, I'm amazed that you said there was 48 teams in it. I didn't realise it was that big, to be honest. But, I mean, yeah. they, that is some achievement. And like, it was still 48 teams when, when Jab and the boys got there. Like, so yeah. People don't realise how big an event it, it was. I think it's a real shame that it's lost a bit of that aura. Yeah, I do. when I see it played now, I think, God, this, I absolutely live for those games that year. Yeah, yeah. It was just the best thing. It was so good. Such yeah, the camaraderie and, and everyone in the club was behind us. As they, again, like I remember... I think I was chairman in 2007 when Jab and the boys got there. And again, we took coach loads of people and, and, and it brings both those two runs to find have really brought the club together. And, and, and a lot of the lads from both of them, or even now, a lot of the lads from 96 and 2007 make up a lot of the club on and off the pitch. I think if you get a good group like that, it encourages others to be involved and carry on playing. And, that, and 96 yeah. and 2007 are the evidence of that. It was, it was. It was such a good spirit. There was no superstars. 
No, we, we don't and have many good players at all. Every game, I think someone diff- t- chips in to get it done. I thought yeah. it, was, it was brilliant. Really good. As we um, go to, off the pitch there, Paul, most of the um, 1996 match play teams now become quite important members of the committee. Um, when and how was the transition from the older guard, who was in charge at that time, I guess it was like Ducks and Nashi and a few of them, to the likes of yourself now, Pex, Chairman, Doggy, Beast, how did that yeah. come about? Yeah, it's, good. it's a good question, that, Nick, to be honest. I, I think it happened quite naturally, though, to a certain extent at our club. Uh, and I think it's been one of the strengths of our club over the last 20 years, if I'm honest, the way things have generally transitioned almost from era to era and, and new people have come in to take things on, if you get what I mean. I, I think we all look at a lot of clubs in our area and beyond and, and you have one person who does the majority of the work or that two or three older guys who, who people are happy to let them carry on forever and ever doing everything until they've had enough and, and then that causes a gap. Uh, and obviously at any given time at our club, there's always different people do more than others. If you look at what Ollie does at the moment, he, he, he does a huge amount. Uh I think we've got a lot of people who, who work around that with different skills and, and a different attitude and, and support him. Uh, Ducks was very good. Beast will probably remember. Duck, Ducks was pretty savvy early on, sort of after that match play era, uh, in making sure we were aware, Nick, of what went on off the pitch. He invited uh, two of us to each committee meeting uh, to see how things worked, uh, to get us involved, take on some junior sort of roles and jobs. And, and he said all along that he... he, he club had been through some rough times and, and it then had a group of different people who, who could get involved and Ducks was brilliant at encouraging people like me and Doggy and Buff and Ollie and Beast all, all to get involved and the likes of Nashi and Sutz supported that as well. Uh, and then I suppose by the time we got to sort of 2005-06, a lot of the people from Ducks and Nashi's era were probably wanting to take a step back to be honest, Nick, and, and, and the likes of up. myself, yeah, like they put in an awful lot. Like I, the club, as we said a couple of times already, the club was very different. Do you know what I mean? And you go through the likes of Nashi and Jen, Ducks, John Sutton, Keith Martin, Foss Brothers, Gwyn, Pedders, Hump. They just did so much. And then that was carried on by uh, Paul Bussey, Wendy Langston to get things where they are now. And I, I think probably Ducks and Nashi had felt they'd done their bit and, and, and took a step back from things. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I just think it's very different eras. Back then, it was a lot of work for those guys building the club up, trying to move things forward, trying to expand the club. Now, I think the challenge that the committee faces, there's, and Nick, you would see this, is there's expectation. He's totally different back then, on and off the pitch, right? The club is a huge organisation now. Mammoth now, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah. Back then, you were talking cult, social members, VPs, players, was what? 50, 60, 70 people and gradually that grew. Now you're talking probably, oh, if you take in associates and parents, and everything, you're talking five, six, seven hundred people. I don't even know. You'd have to go on the database there. Yeah. And that presents its own <laughs> challenges. Like, But the good thing is, I think now, Nick, there's there's the next group coming through. You've taken on a lot. I know Alan's now keen. He's first team captain, but he's also keen to see what goes on off the pitch and how that works. Jab is involved with things like this. Spangles gets involved with a lot. And, and I think that's healthy. You know, the, the one person, of course, who's been on the committee and, and throughout the whole journey is David Parrish. You know, mm. I think that shows, though, that how the club has evolved, but it's kept its traditions. David's very much into the tradition of the club he's, uh, and, and the history of the club. 
he still plays a big part as president of the club while other people have, have come and gone around him. And, and I think that's a good thing. It's uh, the beast, however, like these guys, again, they were great characters. Ducks and Nashy were a pair. Uh, they used to argue in committee meetings and uh, disagree on stuff. I don't know if you were playing based in the game where Ducks, I wasn't actually playing. It was at Ilford Catholics. Ducks ran, uh, Nashy ran Ducks out. Ducks didn't talk to Nashy for about a month because he was yeah. so annoyed with him. We turned up for a committee meeting about two weeks later and they still weren't talking because they were having this argument about Yeah, I don't game. think I played, but I do. I definitely remember the story, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it is, uh, my only slight, I don't know what the right word is, Nick, what, what, what is a shame to me is just that, that, that they don't, yeah, don't see him more, like having put all that in, I would love them to come over on a Saturday, sit and watch you boys in the ones or twos have a beer, chat to people. And see see how big the club has become and how well organised it is and like it was their works in the early 2000s, late 90s have got us to. Exactly. Today and and them to see like almost the the fruits of their labour and them hard times. Absolutely. Absolutely. They they got the ball. They would, if you go back to 96, they would never, you would never 25 years later think the club what it is now, you would never have seen it, would you? It's no, a completely but, different animal. But they got that started. But they, um, that was Ducks' kind of vision to an extent, based. Do you know what I mean? He worked with, with Sats and, and Nashi and Jen, but that, that was a lot of that was Ducks' vision for how he wanted the club to be, like attracting local kids and people to play cricket and, 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 and become a better club, basically. I, I'm with you. I think it's... I think it's sad that we don't see more of them, definitely. Because, yeah. like you say, they, they got it rolling and... Three or four people there did a hell of a lot of work. A hell no, of a absolutely. lot. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I'm with you. I think it'd be nice to see more of them, definitely. Yeah. It was, uh, it was interesting. I, I sort of caught the tail end of that when KM umpired a few of my games right towards the end. And that was quite interesting having KM umpire and firing people with a walking stick as he <laughs> people out, pointing, <laughs> point, pointing them off the field with a walking stick. <laughs> yeah. Them he, KM was a character, mate. Christ. Yeah, uh, if you got on the wrong side of him, he let you know about it as well. It was probably why he was firing a few people that day, Jab. Yeah. <laughs> God rest his soul. Yeah, legend. In 2005, you were the wicketkeeper for the first 11, um, a, a pretty well known UCC team, including uh, the fellow, our fellow host, Fester. What was that season like? Um, Winning the winning the winning the league and um, just on and off the pitch, what was it like? You know, I think it's quite a well-known side, isn't it? So, um, so yeah, give us some insights into what that season was like for you. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was it was a it was weird. Uh, it was pretty much a mates side, if you go what I mean, Jab. Uh, Righty, Rocky, Bear, Danny O'Dell was still around. Grapes, Shaft, Bert, Tellboy, uh, me, Beast. Uh, Pecky was obviously captain. Deaders even was scorer. He was our ever-present scorer, making adding on buys to annoy me when the scorebook didn't. Uh, when the scorebook didn't, <laughs> I used to count me buys and I'd come off and there'd be four missing. I'm like, Where, where's that come from? And he's like, Oh, it didn't add up at some point. I had to put four on something. <laughs> uh, but for me, it was just a great experience, Jab. I, I'm, by that stage of my playing time, I knew I wasn't the first team player. Um, sort of settled into playing in the freeze. Taff, Adrian Rosser was the one's keeper the year before and had left and Ollie didn't have an obvious choice as keeper. And I think he knew with, he brought in Arshad and Junaid 
And uh, I think he knew with those guys and then the likes of Beast himself, Bear, Brocky, Graves, he's good shafts. It was good. To, Terry was in his pomp then. It was a good side, right? So he kind of knew as long as I didn't drop every catch, uh, it wasn't going to cost us much. And I think he just wanted someone reliable, committed, who would get on with the new guys, help the new guys settle in uh, and, and just not cause any aggro. And that was, let's be honest, that that's probably, and all he's my mate, and that probably did play a part of it. He knew I was mates with everyone in the team, but it worked because we won that league by 40, 40 points. Arshad was superb for us. Beast and Ollie were good with the ball. Uh, yeah. One thing I remember is Grapes and Smug Beast winding one another up every week. Yeah. Smug was obviously the young upstart. Grapes was the established first teamer. They they wind one another up. Uh, there's a lot of back to the club and 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 every Saturday late nights and and a lot of banter with that team as you can imagine, all being mates. I think though we celebrated promotion at Woodford Green with fish and chips in the kitchen at Arshad's Chippy down the road. <laughs> 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 fish chips and, and, and Fanta out the back before we went back to the club. Uh, but it, it was a good year, Jab. I think my most important contribution personally was we were playing Bitteriki. We batted first, which was unusual, and not got a massive score. And they had Nathan Batson, who, who you boys will remember, a very good player. He was playing for Worcestershire twos a bit at the time. Arshad was bowling seam up for some reason. And one ball got a bit big on, on Batson, and it's hit him on the shoulder, chest, and looped up to me. And I've ran around and caught it, thrown it up, messing around. Everyone's going, hey, like, you know, you do. And the umpire, some old guy, has fired him. And he was their best <laughs> player by a mile, Bats. He came out, Bats and bought the drinks out about five overs later. And he came out with no top on. And we're like, it's a bit weird. It ain't even that hot today. He had a massive, great big bruise where it had hit him on his shoulder. <laughs> Walking past the umpire and offering the umpire orange squash sticking his chest out so he could see the bruise. Uh, <laughs> But no, it, it was it was it was a, a, a great year, and, and like I say, for me, uh, privileged to play in the ones for one year to win the league and, and to play with all your mates. Like you say, that was a lot of good friends, based Ollie particularly, and and and, and Bear and Grapes and people, and like I say, even Dead of scoring. It, it was just a great year, Jab. Uh, I was quickly quickly shifted out. A young Mark Squibb scored some runs against <laughs> Woodford Green uh, in a game that year and Tellboy and him having a chat after the game and, and Squibby uh, joined us the year after and I was back to the uh, back to my normal place shouting at people in the third eleven. So uh, a very good year, mate. Very, very enjoyable. We don't, we, don't, we don't talk about him. Don't really <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Move on, move on. Yeah, yeah, move on. Before. <laughs> I had a look at um, a, few, a few of the scorecards this afternoon, and that, that was a better team than I actually... I, I always think Arshad done it. He did do it. He was brilliant. But it was a very good team, actually, when you look yeah, back at it. Shaft got a lot of runs that year. I think Shaft got 750s or something. Yeah, he got a uh, big 100 as well. I was looking earlier. Arshad was brilliant. And you remember that? I've spoke about it before. This was back in the day where you could take the old ball in the second innings. Do you remember yeah. that? Just and used to open with him and open Ollie. Open with him and Ollie. And you'd look back now and go, what the hell was going on there? But you could use the old ball, couldn't you? And off, off, I cut the games. I don't think I've got a bowl. Nah, nah. And, and great, Grapes was a very good player as well, Pete. He was, yeah. And, and, and Bear, of course, was... Uh, yeah. And Tellboy. Like, that was Tell's era. Yeah, real good era. Quite a lot uh, of people in their prime... And and that's why a couple of people like maybe me and Bert, who weren't really, I certainly wasn't, 
Burt wasn't always first teamers, but Ollie knew he, he could take one or two people who were just committed and wouldn't upset the apple cart because he had enough quality in the other eight or nine most weeks that was going to win most games in that division. That's where I was very savvy yeah. and, and clever in, in, in getting the best out of a team, I would say. I, th- I think he knew that you could bat you 1-11 to 11 as well because I looked through that scorecard and I think you'd done nearly every position that year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, there's a few of us that have done that over the yeah. years I was going to say I'm not the only one on here who's done that <laughs> no, middle got the ball rolling on that one though. yeah he <laughs> was the original yeah, yeah. the OG um, what, what was it what was it like as well with the with keeping to our shad with the old shirt tug quicker ball because <laughs> <laughs> back then he was genuinely still quite sharp still get it through couldn't he mate the, the quicker ball was ridiculous and I remember I remember at the first game at Whitford it was a cup game and Pecky went, oh, Shad's got a quicker ball. So I was like, oh, Shad, like, he's used to those proper keepers who wouldn't be worried about this. And I'm going, oh, Shad, you need to give me a signal when uh, when it's, when it's, uh, you're going to bowl a quicker ball. And Albert Mulder had done it back in the day, right? But Albert Mulder's quicker ball was a little bit different to our Shad. Yeah. <laughs> Albert used to ruffle his hair for me, right, when he was going to bowl the quicker one. And our Shad was like, no, nah, I don't want to ruffle my hair. And I was like, well, you need to do something. He's going, I'll, I'll tuck my shoulder on my shirt. And I used to look at him, and when he did it, Jab, I just used to think, oh, bloody hell, here it <laughs> And I think I just used to close my eyes and let it hit me. And Bear, you, Bear still goes on now and says, have you still got the bruises from that season? So I just used to, he only used to bowl it once every couple of overs, but I would literally, I, there's no way I was looking at that coming towards me. It'd be coming down as quick as one of beasts normally. It was quicker. No, if he wanted, because now and then Pecky would get him to roll his own arm over a little bit, and he was quicker than anyone else, wasn't he? Yeah, but when you're standing next to him, it's just, <laughs> it just horrible, Jab. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the keeping front, I was I was glad to get back in the freeze next year to like the likes of. Uh, Jordan, Karim Gavani and people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Lim, Browns. I don't know. Keeping keep, keep to Limmy's a bit of a, can be a bit of a lottery at the best of times as well. <laughs> yeah. well. You don't always get much action though, mate, because a lot of it is being dispatched way before, <laughs> yeah. uh, way before the keeper gets into play. Probably <laughs> the drop from the, the ones to the freeze, mate. It was two, two captains. Spunky? P- yeah, P- probably. PB. Fusto would have been keeping and Penguin was about then as well so there was was a couple of keepers yeah I think I just started playing for Spunky in that year I think 2005 (laughs) maybe 2006 yeah Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you you played a game in the freeze over at Hainault for us Jab and you early on and you did well and you ended up in the twos that year 2006 I think yeah 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 because that was was when we lost in the Euros wasn't it or World Cup I think it was the World Cup do you remember yeah we stopped the penalties we won a really good game uh you got two or three wickets as a young lad, really young lad, and, and went up to the twos. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to imagine Paul Bussey playing in a team captain, Wally Peck. Just, just, <laughs> I would have loved to have seen it. <laughs> I'll leave, leave that one. Things I would love to have seen. Moving on, middle. So you and me are both old enough to. We saw the introduction of overseas players into the Essex League. So looking back through the years, who are your favourites? Who would you, who would you like to see back? And who would you most like to go, and go for a beer with? From our club, you mean? Yeah, but yeah, for, a, for, for yeah, for our club, and maybe any standouts you can think of from other clubs. You know, I mean, when you play, when you play the level I do, it's rare you can normally come up against one. Uh, 
the few TC, TC from Woodford Wells. He's, he's the overseas <laughs> yes, player. TC, yeah, absolute legend. Christmas <laughs> minor who used to come back every year. Proper chap, TC was. You, you'd definitely have a beer with TC if he was ever back. Yeah. Uh, but at our club, yes. I mean, quality-wise, you, you would have to say, Jimmy, do you know what I mean? The bloke nearly yeah. won the World Cup for his country. So yeah. uh, I didn't play a lot. I don't think I played a game at all with Jimmy at Upminster. Uh, and playing myself from... Sunday league I don't think we were in at that time so I, I didn't really if I'm honest see a lot of Jimmy cricket wise but no. pretty clear he was he was <laughs> the best player but like, I mean me and Jimmy I, I didn't come across him much but he did as you boys know piss me off on singletons uh, when he took the last slice of dominoes uh, <laughs> in the uh, in the hotel <laughs> after the game I mean that man I eat a lot but he used to eat more than me. Making last, last uh, slice of pepperoni plus was was a bit much. Uh, Naeem, I thought was a good a good character, and obviously, I think I was chairman when when we got Naeem in, so I got to know him well. And I think in the first two years that he played, based in Jab, you would have played with him. I think he was a very very good bowler, from what I could see, from my uh, knowledge. Uh, maybe not so much in the in the final year, but but in the first two years when the ones were in the, the right end of the Premier. Hit, League, I think he done very well. Uh, socially, obviously, the two I knew most beast would would be uh, Spriggy and Dion. Yeah, and Spriggy, as everyone knows, just just uh, an amazing guy and a huge influence on everyone at the club. And I think a lot of changes playing wise and the way we thought about cricket through the club on on after on and off the pitch, players and committee were, were down to Spriggy, if I'm honest. And he, it was Spriggy who, who pushed Ollie to become first team captain, which when you look now was probably, in all honesty, one of the most important decisions the club has, has made and, and, and one yeah. of the most important captaincy decisions that the club's made, even with the success we've had in the last 20-odd years. Spriggy's uh, been back to the UK and, and always pops into the club or, or meets people in London. He's a great guy. Dion was our first overseas player. We hadn't really done that before. It was the first year in the Shepherd and Neemley. Uh he was only eight or not eighteen or nineteen when he came over. Obviously, he was a he was a, a, went on to play Test cricket for Zimbabwe when they had a good side. So Dion, in his own right, was a good player. But Dion, he he loved a night out. He loved a drink. He was eighteen or nineteen. We were eighteen or nineteen at the time. We we took him to Romford. We took him to the dog track. Uh, I remember he loved the night at Romford Dogs. He proudly <laughs> walked to the front. There's all these blokes putting their two hundred quid on with the bookies, and Dion stood there with like two pound coins, telling the bloke he wanted. Two pound on trap six at the top of his voice, and I remember everything. <laughs> and then I don't know if you were there when we took him to Jumping Jacks, beast. Yeah, I think I did. Uh, yeah, in Romford, and, and it was when Jacks was fairly new, and the bar staff used to get up on the bar and sing and dance every half hour when yeah. a certain song come on. So this songs come on, all the bar staff have jumped up. Dion thought it was for everyone to jump on the bar. So there's Dion in the middle of a pack <laughs> Jumping Jacks in Romford, mounting the bar trying to join in the dancing with the bar staff and then looking yeah. offended when the bouncer came storming over and pulled him off. Uh, so, yeah, socially, Dion and Spriggy, both both great guys, but obviously, although I didn't see a lot of him, to see what Jimmy has, uh, has gone on to do for New Zealand and in franchise cricket and county cricket and that, you, you have to say, what an amazing player. And, you know, we, we all knew he was good, but whether we thought he was going to go on and do that, I don't know, but, but fair play to him gone on to have a Christ nearly winning your side uh, 
the World Cup. And I don't know, although obviously we all wanted England to win, as I think you said on your based and yeah. He said when you spoke to him, it was pretty surreal watching a bloke who played for Upminster smashing that six in the Super Over and looking like he was going to win a World Cup in front of like a billion people watching. But yeah, he's probably and he's he's a bit of a superstar off the pitch as well now. And yeah, like, absolutely, entertaining he, uh, guy. I, I noticed he done the grey cricketer again the other day. You probably listened to it, Nick. And he's uh, yeah. I think he's quite he's not full of himself. He's confident, and I, I think he's probably going to have quite a decent career off the pitch once it's finished because he, he does come across. Quite well, I think. Yeah, I'm just going back. I think the club in general done very well with her overseas. Yeah, I, absolutely. I can only think of Kingsley weren't great, was he? Um, no, and again, no. Look, look. King, Kingsley was a was a young, very young. Yeah, he was like Dion. He was a young guy. Some young lads thrive on being overseas and in that environment, like Dion did. Uh, Kingsley maybe didn't. I'm sure in another, if he'd come back three or four years later, he would have been a good player and done well for us. As we've said with a lot of things tonight, our, our club is great, but but if you don't do well, people can get on your back and all that. And everyone's feels under pressure and there's an expectation that maybe Kingsley like struggled with. And, and, and it was tough for him. Uh, Doug was good. I mean, yeah. everyone forgets it was Doug who was... The overseas, the year the ones got promoted for the first time. Do you know what I mean? I think we almost, and again, Doug played a lot of tests for Zimbabwe when they had a proper side. Do you know what I mean? He was, and again, a really nice guy. Yeah, I was, I was very sceptical of him coming over because I thought, as if he's going to be interested. He's played a lot of test cricket, played in the World Cup, but he was a massive trier. He, he, yeah, yeah. He really, he was brilliant overseas for one year. He bowled his heart out that year, and uh, and, and really he was he was good with the Colts coaching and everything. Yeah. He, he was a really nice guy. Yeah, I think we've done well. Even the ones off the pitch, that on the pitch, have been as good. I think off the pitch have really contributed. I think I think the club in general, a bit of luck, but some, some decent selection as well, obviously. Well, Leon, yeah, no, Leon, 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 Leon was really good. I mean, we, we yes, went up in 2012. Yeah, he went had a great guy, Joe. Yeah. Leon is the overseas. He, he got on really well. And again, that was a year probably almost suited us that we didn't have a superstar because the year before we had Jimmy yeah. and obviously yeah. Al was in, his, was in his prime probably then. We had probably the two best players in the league and we didn't go up. We yeah, came yeah. back the next year and we had a guy who just fitted in yeah. and, and allowed everybody else to play and we, we, we ended up going up the next year. So he was really good. Absolutely. He was really, really good. I'm trying to think, who was the big Aussie we had who didn't do very well a few years after that? Reese, wasn't it? Reese, I couldn't think. Of his yeah, name. yeah, yeah. He was a lo- he was a lovely bloke. He, he, had a bit, bloke. he had a bit of a disaster, didn't he? he? Didn't do very well, but yeah. Although the weird thing is, when you look at his record for other clubs like oh. Morden and that, he's done really well. I think he was just a bit undercooked when he came over, yeah. and, uh, and the team didn't do well that year, right? Based, and I no, do think it's a, makes a big a difference. Bit of a cyclical catch twenty two thing, right? Yeah. If someone starts doing well as you're overseas and the team's winning, things spiral in the right direction. If you yeah. don't, then it, then it can get more difficult for everyone. No, that's right. That's right. Yeah, like you say, if, if, the, if the team's not doing well, it's even more pressure on him as well. And, it? and it, yeah, it just didn't work out for him. But yeah, I think in general, it's been good. So, um, so Paul, there, there were so many subjects we could have spoken about with you. Um, benefit or the club, club over the last 25 years. We've chosen tour. Um, so yeah, we want to hear from you, your ultimate tour eleven. You've been on tour to the likes of Singletons, Devon, the US Cricket Tour to Estonia, to obviously the, the great tour to Barbados. 
Um, the criteria we've given you is obviously every tour needs a good organiser. Um, we need guys who provide the moments that you will remember 10 years on. Um, so like the, the wild cards, really. Um, the guys who actually play when they're even blind drunk and the, the guys who can drink all day and the guys who can drink probably, probably about an hour. So you can just, <laughs> just roll off some uh, 11. I haven't got to go in a specific order, but just sort of guys who you want on your tour with that sort of and where they would fit in that criteria. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some might fit in morning. And, and, and one thing I'm going to say on your drinking bit, yeah, I won't put myself in the team because one night for... <laughs> I used to manage maybe one and a half nights. One night for me now is uh, is plenty. Like I mean, tours have been great. We first went in '96 to Devon, me and Beast on the club tour that have been out for years, and they were honestly those tours and all the ones subsequent at home and abroad. They're, they're the like cricket tours are brilliant, and at our club and with the guys at our club, everyone knows how to have a laugh, but knows like where the line is, and 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 it just a real good. Uh, bunch of people to go with so th this wasn't easy but I'm going with a semblance of an order Nick even though it's not all about cricket criteria so number one I've gone with Mr Paul Brockman yes Brocky uh, yes. who I thought as long as, I, as, long as, as I'm not there I'm, <laughs> I'm not making his tea for five days but I mean <laughs> you are the amoeba jab <laughs> yeah I mean and it's interesting you say that because I, I made a few notes on my selections and Brocky just loved the structure and the hierarchy of tour. And I think those who went will, will know what I mean. He, he loved rules. He loved uh, organise. He didn't like doing the organising, but, but he liked having things organised. He liked the structure. I mean, I remember on the old Devon tours, he used to have Fudge and Village uh, with their alarm set at half eight in the morning to bring him to breakfast in bed in his hotel room. Uh, he, 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 he was just he just loved like the rules he made sure everyone followed any rules that were laid down I also remember the first morning in Barbados after we'd done our briefing in the hotel it was 30 degrees but Brocky being a creature of habit wanted to do some pump iron yes mate so he dragged a young Nicky Ison yeah off to find a gym in someone's back garden mate in, uh, he was he was my roommate in Barbados he was class as roommate it was, it, was, it was so much fun but that that gym was literally someone's shed and the Weights must have been about 15 years old. He was just <laughs> pumping away. And I was, I think I might have been 19 then. So I wasn't much. With your, ve with your vests on. Yeah. I, I wasn't a big lad. So him and Rock, who is a, a pretty, you know, girthy man. I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> I cannot spot. <laughs> but I mean, the other thing that I can't remember, I, I never remember if he drove to, on the Devon tour. Uh, Brocky had the big famous purple escort uh, for years, his famous car. And, I mean, getting to Devon used to take most people four or five hours, mm. Beast. Yeah. I think Spunky claims to have done it in 90 minutes. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> uh, in his Ford Cosworth. Which got right. <laughs> for most people, it took four hours, but I'm not sure Brocky's purple escort ever went above 50 mile an hour, even on the M4. So I'm not sure how he got down there, but if he drove, it would have taken him about nine hours because <laughs> big man, he drove very slowly. He did. Yeah. <laughs> Num number two, Nick, I've yep. gone with Iron Mike Raff. Great. <laughs> oh, yes. Another great tourist. Oh, no, no. Is this a rugby tour or a cricket tour? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a few like that. Yeah. 
great great tourist and and on the car subject again in one of our <laughs> tours to devon grapes committed club man back then decided three days before tour that the Vauxhall Astra that he drove around in back then needed to be given a makeover for the journey down to Devon. So he painted it in blue and gold halves, the Vauxhall Astra. But he, when he painted it in blue and gold halves, he didn't use car paint. No. He just bought tins of Dulux and painted this <laughs> Vauxhall Astra <laughs> blue and gold halves with a big white windmill on the front and UCC. So there it is, bopping down the M4, this horrible blue and gold monstrosity. <laughs> Fair play to him. He kept it for years, didn't he, Big Star? I think he got it nicked eventually, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be nicked for driving it. Uh, of course, he did have some downtimes. Nick, I think, was on the Estonia Cricket on Ice Tour, mm. where we went curling in the ice rink at the ex-Soviet uh, missile. Yeah. Uh, ice rink, factory ice rink, did some curling, grapes and Maisie, I think it was, were messing around. Grapes come a cropper, broke his collarbone and spent mm-hmm. the night in tile in general, uh, having his <laughs> collarbone sorted out. But a, a, a really great bloke, Grapes, yeah, as you boys all know. Yeah. Uh, and another one, I, I, I'm glad he plays in the women whack. It's a shame he doesn't play anymore because he, he's a top yeah. fella and he was a genuinely good tourist. Yeah. It's all night. A different angle for number three, uh, Stephen Mack, Smackers. <laughs> oh. uh, and, and and I'm glad you boys are giggling because yeah. Smackers did a few of the Devon tours that I went on and Beast went on and, and he did a couple of the Estonian ones and, and I think and he was obviously in Barbados as well. Mm. Smackers was a bit of a different tourist to a lot of our boys. He's very he's quieter of all the Mack posse. Uh Smackers' jokes and gags were a little bit more hard to pick out, which can be dangerous when you're on tour, I would say. And I remember, for instance, we were playing the par three at Chumley on the Devon tour, the par three golf course, lovely little course just outside the village Chumley. There's me, Smackers, Pecky, Deaders, Danny Shaw and Danny O'Dell, I think it was. Pecky would tee off every hole. Even though it was a par three, we weren't very good. And a lot of them were, were stopping before they got to the green. Every time Pecky got to his ball, it's plugged, right? And not just plugged, it's it's that far down in the, in the flesh. <laughs> this has happened for seven or eight holes, and Pecky's like, I ain't having a lot of luck here, boys. Like, every time I'm just getting to the front of the green and the ball's plugged. It's just carried on. And we were on about hole 14, and I noticed Smackers race off from the tee box in line with where Ollie's ball has gone and he's treading it into the thing. But it, Ollie didn't realise till about the 16th hole what was going on. He thought every hole it was just getting plugged. And then there was also, Nick may remember, uh, Smacker stitched me and Ollie up in Barbados. Uh, all the first-time tourists that tour had challenges. And then if you didn't do your challenge, you went to court in the evening not real court, club court, and, and you were tried, and Smackers was the, uh, the prosecutor with his legal experience. And it was the it was the second game, and, and me and Ollie were setting, or Ollie was doing it, but he wanted someone just in case it went wrong to take some of the blame, so he dragged me with him, that typical. And uh, Scoey, it was baking up, and we were playing a good side, or me and Ollie weren't playing. And oh. Scoey's challenge was, you've got to win the toss and bowl. Bearing in mind, like, it's tour, it's 30 degrees, and this lot, I've got a proper team. Scully went, no, I ain't doing that. And Peggy's went, well, you're going to be tried in court tomorrow night. Then, uh, <laughs> not do it. So Scully goes, all right then. So Scully goes out for the toss, comes back in and he says, oh, we're in the dirt, boys. 
Rocky, Buff, Stu Ammon, <laughs> Smackers. You can imagine how this went down. Were you playing, Nick, or were you with oh, us? Yeah, man, I played, I played this game. I bowled some very bad four-overs. It just get absolutely smashed around the park by some unreal players from the Windies. They were smashing it, weren't they? Oh. And I remember it was so hot. I remember Buff was at deep mid-wicket. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. And this bloke hit the ball, boys, and it went two foot to the side of Buff. Like he was so hot and knackered, he just stood there and it went past him. And he made someone run around to fetch it from like long off. <laughs> Boys have come off at tea. Oh, and I thought Buff was going to die and Brocky. They, they were so hot. We're, I remember sitting there pouring bottles of water over Buff from Brocky's head. And the boys got rolled for 80-odd. Smug got a few. And then it was the last night and Smackers was on the balcony with me and Ollie of my room. And he was checking all the tour uh, first-timers had done their challenges. But he didn't know what Scurry's challenge was. And Peggy was blagging him because he knew that Smackers was going to lose it, right, <laughs> if if he found out. And me being a bit simple and slow and I didn't have a couple of beers, went, oh, yeah, Scurry did the one the other day. Smackers, completely deadpan, just made a note of it. And then in court that night, when all the proceedings had finished, he called me and Pecky into the dock, as it were, and revealed what me and Ollie had done. I just remember Brocky and Buff looking at me and Pecky <laughs> sat at the front of the uh, thing. Like, I thought Buff was going to kill me. Stu, who was the doctor and prescribed your punishment, who had also been playing, so he weren't very happy, prescribed me and Pecky. It was like a half pint glass of rum. And you know, I'm not a massive downer beast of drinks. I managed to down mine. Pecky being Pecky refused and threw his into the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, <laughs> yes, Smackers is a very dangerous man on tour in a different way to other people, I would say. A, cr- a criminal mastermind, Smackers, is another life as well. Like, exactly. He, no, he's so sneaky. Sneakiest man, I think. I've, 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 he was a know, different in man. In terms of banter. Yeah. The smack as you see these days is not the same man as you see back then mm. either. He's a very nah, different he's, character. He's a very clever guy as well. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> number four, I've gone for some youth. Nicholas Heisen. Yeah, that's it. I need some organisers. And uh, Nick, he's most definitely that. Uh, he deserves an award and a place himself for sharing a room with Brocky on that Barbados <laughs> tour as well. <laughs> on the um, on the tour to Est- to Estonia, I was dreaming with um, Hoggy and and uh, Chivers, and all our phones got stolen. Was well, I can't I can't retain more on that. And, well, yeah, we won't go on to that one then. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's funny Off you mentioned Chavers though, Nick. It's funny you mentioned Chavers because I know you didn't do it, but you I seem to remember you were behind setting or, or getting <laughs> Chavers and Cabo to jump off the uh, roof of the bar in the hotel in uh, Barbados into the outdoor swimming pool where there was no AP water aerobics uh, <laughs> session going on. So I also was giving you the credit for that one. So I've gone with you as number four. Uh, as you say, you need some organisers. And if this was an actual team playing, we'd need someone youngish to do some of the... Uh, the running round. Some of the running round. He's, 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 he's very... He's very fond of Paris as well, aren't you, Nick? And the Eiffel Tower, generally speaking. <laughs> Excellent place. Excellent place. Yeah. <laughs> Number five, I've gone with Bobby Mack. Bobby was on them early Devon tours that we went on, Beast to remember. Loves, loves a drink, loves a laugh. Actually looked after me and Buff as well, which I will always thank for. Tour for me, like it's for most people, is probably the first time you get drunk. 
remember being in a bit of a state and Bobby, Matt Ryan and Hoggy walking me and Buff back from town when we'd been chucked out of the cars that were bringing us back from Chumley because we were so ill. Uh, and Bobby, though, I always associate more, as I'm sure you boys do, with Singleton's, mm. uh, where he always opens the batting down at Hayward Teeth. And he's got quite a good record, but he's either a good score or nothing. And there was the time, of course, where we all walked in front of the sight screen before the first ball of the game and started dancing and he was cleaned up by the opening bowler and he came and <laughs> imagine how probably first ball of an all-day game he came off. <laughs> and then another year where Hayward Zeef had some young quick bowler we'd heard, so we asked him if he'd bounce Bobby first ball. The wicket was soaking wet, like it was just a pudding. So he'd run in and tried to bowl Bobby a bouncer and it's just sat up halfway down the wicket. So Bobby tried whacking it out of the park and has top-edged it straight to mid-on again, first ball of the game. <laughs> uh, and now the dancing in front of the sight screens continues every every year at Singles. But, but Bobby's a great bloke to socialise with, as you all know, mm. so he has to make any tall side of him. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Gone with Bezza at six. Oh, uh, again, another one who, who, on the early tours, me and Beast went on. Bezza was, Bezza was always like, he was just bonkers back then, wasn't he, Beast? He loved to, loved to drink, loved to laugh. I loose. remember him throwing a, yeah, he was loose back then. I remember him throwing Danny Shaw's expensive trainers into the pool one night when it was full of the cleaning chemicals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shawsy and him then squaring up to one another. Uh, and of course, Bezza's party trick when you, he, Bezza's another one who likes singletons. Uh, his party trick of eating all the lime pickle and all the plastic flowers that are on the table in the uh, in the curry house with his poppadoms. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd go with Bezza at six, seven. Can't leave my good mate, Mr. Peck, out. Again, another organiser. Uh, I think he did Barbados, didn't he, Nicky? Organised mm-hmm. Barbados, most of it. With XL Airlines. Excellent. That's it, XL Airlines, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that bit where he got dead as so drunk they shut the bar in the first class cabin. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a, a great organiser. He organised at least one of the Estonia trips as well, I think. Didn't he, Nick? Mm. Uh, he did cost me a lot of money on one of the early tours when the Barnstable Hotel was doing pina coladas on special offer on the first night, cocktails in the bar. Heck, he got me and him drinking them. And then the rest of the week, they weren't on special offer and they were about five or six quid a throw, weren't they, Beast? And, and I remember <laughs> yeah. drinking them all week, like, rather than beer. <laughs> and five or six quid a throw back then was quite a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, the Saturday we got back, I went for a curry in the Kazumba with Ollie. And I put my card in the machine. It would have been the early days of debit card. And Abba, the old waiter in the Kazumba, was like, no, no, it's not going through. It's not going through. He was very polite. He told me it was probably the machine. I went over the road to try and get some cash out and I'd spent so much money on these pina coladas when I looked at my mini statement uh, with entries in the basketball hotel that I would cleaned out of cash, couldn't pay uh, <laughs> mum and dad the rent for the month. <laughs> but yeah, Peggy, apart from throwing his rum in the Atlantic in uh, in Barbados, he's always good value on tour. Which is a long tail if you've got better at six and... Seven, by the way. Well, we'd probably move the order about a bit though, being a talk game. Right. But yeah, fair enough. Number eight, uh, I've gone with Matthew Scrap Iron Ryan, <laughs> uh, okay. who 
not an overseas tourist, but in those tours we used to go into Devon. I think they used to probably agree. Matt basically ran the social show yeah. for the whole week for anyone under 40. Yeah. Uh, whether it was getting a singing going in the pub in Chumley, organising the Marlborough Cup pool competition at Broughton, Matt was involved in it. Used to encourage everyone to do the all-night session on a Tuesday where we'd get back from town and he just wouldn't let anyone go to bed. Yeah. Uh, you'd sit in the bar and then go straight into breakfast at nine o'clock the next morning as everyone else was coming in for breakfast. And then Matt would normally then go and open the bowling at Broughton on the back of it. Uh, so there you go, Nick. He certainly meets the criteria of being able to does. play does. Uh, hungover, as does Bezzer, to be fair, June? actually. What's that? Is, is he yes, you should. he'd be a good tourist in Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> Another guy, it's a shame we don't see uh, see more of these days. I, I was going to go for Beast at nine because of his crazy antics on the early Devon tours, <laughs> diving into the pool on his sun lounger or removing all the furniture from Wags's bedroom at one in the morning, <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. Beast has not done many since. We won't go into... We missed him on tour. Uh, so I've gone with Bert, yeah. who Hero. decent organiser. Always uh, one up, always one up in me, Bert. Is yeah, well, I, I did yeah. think that might, might get a comment. <laughs> <laughs> he lives halfway across the country. Oh, we, so Bert, he's still doing it. Well, this is why I went for Bert, to be honest, Beast. Bert is a permanent tourist, he right? Is. So yeah. Yeah. no one knows the world better than Bert because he's constantly on tour. Uh, he kind of went the other way to you, though. I remember on the early tours, he was probably more interested in uh, golf at Saunton Sands with yeah. Ducks and Nashie and people than, than than some of the antics. But then on the overseas tours, uh, Bert came into his own. Number 10, this is a man who won't play on tour, Nick. So this is a pick. He'll be standing at slip all afternoon if you can get him on the pitch. I'm, I'm, I'm already typing his name. So I think I'm yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The, the big man himself, yep. uh, Buffalo, Will Sisson. Uh, radio. Yeah, like, <laughs> he had the Run Chase radio. Uh, he, he, although, I was thinking about it, and some people who went on tour, especially on the family sort of tours to, to uh, Devon back in the day, they probably didn't even know Buff was on tour <laughs> because you might not see him in the daytime. Uh, he literally only comes out at night. Uh, now I remember Nick will probably remember when we were in Barbados. Yep. Uh, we went to a lovely fish restaurant one evening that Buffalo would have really enjoyed, mainly because it was really expensive and he could have spent a lot of money there. Uh, but he was having his, his evening siesta went overtime and he didn't wake up. Uh, and he was furious when he finally caught up with us. But he, he was just a man of the night, Buff, so to speak. Uh, I think it was Buff who organised the first Estonia trip uh, and then he couldn't drink because he was on antibiotics which you can imagine for a guy like Buff was probably a bit of a wrench and then on another one of the Estonia trips that I think Nick was on one of the cricket on ice ones I remember I went out one night with Buff and Stu and tried keeping up with him so uh, oh. yeah and I've literally never been as ill in my life as I was the next day <laughs> yeah. trying to keep up he, with him um, in, in that night he woke up at one it was a, a, a bit dead, dead clear he turned up in a bar in comes Buff Bowling, all right, boys. And he comes in, and I think he took, he went with Brockman, me, and it was either George or Swashy, I can't remember what it was. And then 
I think I think I'm in the Travers, and we were out to about uh, five six. Was that the night when the two late to Buffalo chant came out? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was from the um, the one the one Republic song. That's right. Yeah, because he was he came out so late. Like one in the morning, Andy, and everyone the song came on, and everyone was singing. It's too late for Buffalo. That kind of stuck for the rest of the uh, rest of the trip. What a man! <laughs> and then at number eleven, a man who is sadly no longer with us, uh, which is a very sad situation. But I'm going to pick. Pete Williams, oh, who, Peewee, who you will all uh, remember. Yeah. Pete absolutely loves those tours uh, to North Devon. Uh, yeah. Whether he was organising the, he used to remember the, the fat boys be the skinny boys water polo that Pete used to <laughs> organise in the in the pool. I remember him losing his rag when he got hit for four sixes at, at Westwood <laughs> Ho and everyone was giving him some jip. Uh, Fancy dress in the big nappy that he, he dressed up in one night. And then another night, about 2000, I reckon it was, where Bristol Rovers were on their pre-season tour in the area and were staying at the hotel. And they came along to the disco that we had on the last night. And that, they were lovely fellas, no grief or anything. But their captain, big centre-half, got chatting to Pete and, and put out the claim that he'd be able to out-drink Pete, drinking bottles of fuck. <laughs> He was like, all right, mate, if you want to take it on. About two hours later, Beast, this yeah. bloke had to be carried, not Pete, this bloke had to be carried out the bar while Pete was just stood there down, yeah. continuing to down bottles of bud like they were water. Uh, and I think, Nick, he probably organised the last, the first couple that you went on in Devon, he didn't did. he? It was, he did yeah. organise the 2006 Devon tour, which was my first and only one. Uh, yeah, that, that was class. Really good. No, great, yeah. great bloke, Pete. Uh, obviously, very sad that he's he's no longer no longer with us. The scorer would be Deaders. You know, you don't want to catch Deaders when he's tired on tour. Yeah, uh, very angry man. Twelfth man would be Doggy, just so I can say it's not righty. So that'll wind him up. Right, he'll know what that's about. Listen. Tour manager would be the Cons. Yes, I'm going to say you've got to get the Cons in somewhere. I, I was yeah. thinking you missed him out. Now, we get the cons in as manager, and my roommate would be Tomo. <laughs> Just because he's about the only man in our group who you know won't be causing you aggro of some sort at three o'clock in the morning. And when I go to bed, I don't want to be disturbed. So. The, he's the, got, and, the, and he's got toothpaste. <laughs> yeah, he's got all the dibbins as well. <laughs> the only aggro Tomo causes now is on Twitter when he's trying to chase up some uh, calorie on Twitter. That's good. That so yeah, that's 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 the okay. side. And like I say, Excellent. tours are always great fun, aren't they? It's uh... yeah. Excellent side, and hopefully our one in June, fingers crossed, will be as good as will will be a top draw one like like the rest of them that've gone before. Quick change of pace. We're going to go for this incredibly successful segment. I know everybody's been taking our recommendations to heart. Um, uh, we're going to go with my podcast recommendations. And for those of you, I said if you didn't listen to the last one, you had no taste. And clearly, I think a lot of you have no taste. So we're going to go with um, 
if you want if you want the surreal and you like slightly surreal humor uh then go for atletico mints if you've ever if you've ever list, listened to it it's uh, a podcast with bob mortimer in it and his mate and he does all sorts of stupid stuff it's mainly about football and it is actually it is actually quite good and there is some genuine football stuff in there um but it is it is quite a quite quite a funny podcast um and definitely definitely give it a listen give it a try if you don't like it you don't like it it might not be your sort of humor but uh but it certainly is mine I'm a bit of a mortimer fan uh particularly if you like train guy um and all that sort of stuff so yeah, I, I, I would I would suggest that one. Um, I'm not going to give a mainstream one because I think all the mainstream ones have been done, and they you know Neville, <laughs> grade cricketer, you know you name it. Um, and obviously, uh, none of them hold a candle to ours. So uh, there's no point. There's no point asking really. You know, one's enough in it. Ours and another one. Yeah, that's worse than ours is probably enough. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've now got uh, an Insta Q and A. So. Nikki, uh, quite helpfully, what put out on Instagram uh, some very good questions. Uh, well, put on Instagram, we wanted some questions, and we got some good ones in from some interesting characters. Um, so the first one comes from K Room underscore one one one. Don't know who that is. Uh, <laughs> match play ninety six or oh seven. Oh seven is the answer. But oh, the old match play debate. I'll yeah. Give it the old. Mate, if you're going with, I'm, I'm honest enough to uh, to admit, if you're going with quality of player, and again, Buffalo will get the cob on with me, but the 2007 side, uh, like Al, Jab, Tiggy, Elbows, Jod, Jamie O'Dell, Harry J, uh, Crouchy, Elliot, Elliot. Bussy, brilliant player Elliot was. Again, shame he doesn't play anymore. Just, yeah, team wise. 2007. The way I look at it is if, if we played that fine, our final 100 times, we would never beat Ilford. <laughs> if you played your final 100 times, you would probably win somewhere between 45 and 55%. Uh, and, and so, yeah, the, the, for playing-wise, 2007, I'll, I'm, I'll get very much told off on the match play WhatsApp group 96 when this goes out. Uh, just, just while we're on that subject, Jab, apologies. There is a challenge match for charity yeah. taking place 2nd of May at the club, the match play challenge. Nine, the boys of 96 v the boys of 07 in aid of a charity called George Windmills, yeah. uh, which has been set up by some friends of Alan and Hannah Ison, uh, who, who lost their own child to ill health uh, last year. And they've started a charity to help uh, families who, who have got severely ill children. Uh, so it would all be in a good cause. Uh, there'll be details coming out how you can donate, a few things going on on the day. So that is May the 2nd at the club, uh, 96 team v the 2017. So that, that should be a good day. Yeah, excellent plug and a, and a very wor- worthwhile cause. Um, I'll definitely be playing in that game. I'm sure I think you, both you and Festival will be playing. So, um, so yeah, it should be an excellent day and uh, a very good point. If, um, if, if anyone can get hold of Ben Bosnino, that would be great. He's currently ignoring my Twitter DMs to try and get the full quarter 13 <laughs> label from the 017. Have you managed to get Simpson? Tom Simpson, have you managed to get him? I didn't realise he was part of that squad. Oh, man, <laughs> he, he was. Might four, he might have been 14th man, to be no. fair. Got to get him in now, Jab. You've got to get the whole squad. Yeah, well, yeah. Is he abroad, yeah. is he? 
I don't know. I, don't, sure. I, see his, I see his mum walking through town a bit. I'll, I'll stop her and say something. We'll find out. Uh, we'll just more digging. If, if yeah. anyone can track these people down, though, Jab, it's got to be Nicky Ison, surely. <laughs> Uh, he's 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 our he's our social media stalker extraordinaire, <laughs> Nicky Ison. If anyone if anyone can find him, if anyone can find anyone, it's Nicky Ison. <laughs> Next question is from a, a Glenn Noller. I'm assuming it's the one we know. What is the funniest thing you've ever seen on a cricket pitch? Oh Christ! Yeah, seen a few things at our club over the years. <laughs> one in a freeze game where Bobby went to run out one of their batsmen. I won't say it was against. It was a quick single. Bobby come running in from mid on, threw the ball and it hit the bloke in the side of the head. Now that in itself is not funny before anyone thinks I'm being out of order there. But when we run over to check, he was okay. And the bloke was rubbing his head and he's nearly knocked his syrup off. He had to stop it with his other hand because his syrup was coming off. Uh, so that was, that was quite amusing. Although it was even funnier when having sat down for a while to recover from his, uh, the blow to the head, he came back out and started whacking Grumpy into the hammer net over at Cooper's uh, with a string of sixes. That was quite amusing. Uh, and another one Beast might remember, there was a guy called Rob Norris, Nosher, he lovely fella, played for us uh, under-17s cricket, which was still going on back then, and also adult cricket from like 97 for a few years. Lovely fella, family lived down Stuart Avenue. He was a good player and he, he, he hadn't got 50 for us, but he, he was a good player. We were playing Ardley Green, I think it was, in a Colts game on a Wednesday evening. He was on about 30. But Buff went, he won't know how many he's on. When he gets another run, let's tell him he's got 50, just for a wind-up. <laughs> so he, he taps the sing, sing, single into the wherever and runs. Everyone, well, bad Norris, top knot, mate. And he's giving it the old bat swing salute. <laughs> First 50 for the club, raises his bat. Next ball, because he thinks he's got his 50 and we'd nearly won the game. He tries whacking it, he gets out, comes off, bat raised again because he's got 50. He only had 34. Like was, uh, <laughs> was fuming. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're two of the good ones, but too many to list, I would say, Nick. Next question is, what is the best slash worst reason for someone being awarded the, um, the merchant banker of the day <laughs> in, in the third 11? Yeah, the famous, the famous red jacket. Christ, that's been around. I mean, the luckiest escape from the red jacket this year, Nick, or ever, sorry, was Bolivar last year due to uh, COVID-19. Obviously, we took the red jacket out of uh, service for a season. <laughs> Bolivar most certainly should have got it at the first game of the season for having lost over the winter the entire beer kitty from the 2019 season. Uh, so... <laughs> Oliver done the best avoiding of it. Uh, there's been some good ones. Bobby booting over the stumps at Woodford Wells when uh, <laughs> when we're in a third team game. And Freddie Goldman, luckily being our good friend, was umpiring and just told Bobby to calm down. Uh, I think I got it harsh. I've had it harshly a few times. I mean, I always think it's harsh if you get it just for a drop catch or misfield or something at third team level. Uh, it's kind of to be expected. Uh, Grumpy's got it quite a few times. One of his best efforts, we were playing Brentwood. They won every game that season, Brentwood 3-11. And with about eight overs to go in a 45-over game, they needed about 90 against us, which at 13 level just don't happen. And then Grumpy just started bowling half volleys to Deggy, who, uh, who just kept hitting him into the Astro, into the Hammernet, uh, and commentating 
on how far he'd hit it, which wound Grumpy up as well. Uh, I don't know whether that's one of the best or worst reasons, Nick, but, but yeah, Gr Grumpy's won a few. The only good thing when Grumpy wins it, if I'm honest, chaps, is he's one of the only ones in the threes who it actually fits. Uh, <laughs> most of us struggle to get in it, so it's best if Grumpy or Ratlad and people win it. This, this question comes from Lim Ant. Again, no idea that is. Uh, away days. Favourite away ground and why? See, I, I saw this one on, on the list. I didn't know whether he meant Dagnum or... Uh, <laughs> or Crookie. You, you can pick both. You can pick both. I mean, football-wise, Christ, too many good away days to mention. Exeter was a good one as Jab came on <laughs> once. Uh for the brunt of a drunk, yeah, for the brunt <laughs> of a drunken cabo on the way home on the train. A few good trips to Exeter. Uh, well, dominoes in the ground out. as well, there, middle. What's, yeah, that? exactly. Yeah, I can't, can't mock that. Uh, no, too many good away trips with with with, with Dagnum. Uh, Cricket-wise, I mean, I like I like playing at Gidea Park because personally, I've always done all right there one of the only grounds where I've ever got any runs. Uh, and although uh, there they're not as many people about over there as there used to be, there's normally someone to have a beer with over there. Uh, Chingford is a nice place, although I've only played there once or twice, uh, and normally a sociable bunch over there. Not necessarily in a way trip as such, but ground-wise, North Devon on the old tours to North Devon on the estuary at Insto is the most... I think the most scenic, beautiful place I've ever played cricket. But if you're going for away days, regular fixture in the uh, Essex League calendar, then I would have to go uh, for Woodford Wells. Always nice place to play. Oh, we normally win, although we've lost a few over there, but then just always people to have a beer with, always welcoming. Just just a really great place to, to go for a day out to play, play cricket, especially if you're a lower level player. Frontier on tap. Frontier. Exactly. Good choice of beers on tap. Guinness on tap. Leads on to the last question. This comes from a J Lamont 10. Which innings do you prefer? PM161 or the 80 not out to win the third 11 league? <laughs> Firstly, again, without pulling people on statistics, it was 88 not out. So Josh has done that <laughs> about eight runs there. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'll be speaking to him about. Uh, definitely the second, the 88, not out. But the 161 was, uh, obviously I bore everyone going on about that, all, all tongue-in-cheek. But 161 at Wells on the first day of the season, probably been done 20 times over. Most people get runs on that uh, on that pitch. And I think they were a little bit weaker because West Ham were in the cup final that day, which people probably... Uh, didn't know, uh, so they weren't that strong. Whereas the 88 not out, Josh, not 80 not out at Coopers to help win the uh, win the league a couple of years ago was probably the, the best in, in a proper situation that I've ever batted. So yeah, I'd, I'd go with the 88 not out. Just a brilliant. Uh, apart from match play days, probably my favourite day on a, on a on a on a cricket pitch. To be honest, well, I mean, celebrating the free championship. Yeah, and a very good night to. Uh, to follow, I think that's when the the club is at its best. Yeah, those days, not not just there where it was the threes, but whenever there's one side got something to play for at our club, and the whole club 
on the WhatsApp groups wants that team, whether it's the ones, twos, threes, fours, fives, sixes, or whatever, and everyone's rooting for that team. Uh, and, and the scores go round, the people are updating, and everyone wants that whoever the team is that day to do well. It's, it's normally then a good night to follow. So, well, um, very good Insta Q and A. Thank you for everyone who sent questions. We had loads to choose from there. Had to uh, dwindle it down. We'll go on to plain elevens now to end this very excellent podcast, and we'll do um, middle against uh, Beast and Jabba. Same as before. If you get once you get two wrong, you are have lost this game you got this week. I'll try and do. Um, better than Spangles and not reveal players. It was quite a good comedy value, so it might be worth me doing it. I was going to say, can we bring him back just for this segment? (laughs) (laughs) Because Spangles present this from now on. (laughs) So it it was quite hard to decide what sort of game to go for here, but I've gone for a benefit match. Oh, no. I think it's going to be really tough, this one. Yeah. 2013, the 1st of September. The benefit match, I think it's the six. So you can choose any Essex players you want. And obviously our uh, players from Upminster. Uh, do you want to go first, Paul? Are you going to tell us whose benefit it was? Or are you not allowed yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. I will do actually. It's the David Masters. David Masters. Good. I'll get a bonus point for that, don't I? Paul has middle organised the majority of them. He should know um, these, well, or what the teams were because he gets slowly fed them, but yeah. So, uh, mid, do you want to go first? I guess as, as the guess, David Masters, correct. <laughs> right, I'm pretty sure this because this bloke carried a pint around his head for most of the get uh, around the boundary, <laughs> so I think it's Joe Grant. <laughs> incorrect, didn't play, incorrect, didn't play in this game. Oh, that was a few Joe. years before Jab, yeah. <laughs> he, absolute, he could still bowl absolute heat as well when he was about 50 <laughs> he was rapid oh. sorry Fester uh, I'm going to go for Mr Masters Senior I was going to say that yeah. Big Allen he, he his name yeah he, I remember yeah. he opened bowling his old man it was good as well yeah that's correct yeah definitely this is shocking me correct yeah <laughs> Jesus, this is one I can't remember a lot about. 2013, who was one's captain? Did I play? Ollie. Ollie Peck. Correct. I'm pretty sure Shooter McGavin played in this one, didn't he? Excellent shot, Jab is correct. Oh, that's yeah. ris- that was risky. Yeah, that yeah, was I, I, risky. I remember the last over because Masters was telling him to whack him and he was running in full pelt. At shoot McGavin. Shafiq Rahman. He's tough. I can't think who would have played for Essex that day. That's the. Oh, I will say Essex, Essex had a very, very strong side. Okay, I'm going to go Foster. Correct. Billy Gordon. Yeah, that was who I was going to go with. Billy Gordon. Correct. Oof. Essex had a strong side. Tendo? I'm going to say Tendo. Incorrect. Oh. That's it, chaps. I'm unbeaten still. Unbeaten still. Um, give, us a, give us a few more names you would have gone for, Paul. Uh, I would have gone with Napes. Correct. Time Our Mills. Correct. Uh, Chop, Chopra. He would have played. 
Did he gone? Did he gone to Warwickshire? Yeah, I was going to say Nick Brown. I thought it might be a bit early for him. Uh, for us, Bear. Yeah. Uh, 2013. Someone got a ton. Oh, Bussy. Bussy. No. Bussy. What, for us? Yeah. For us? Yeah. Alan? Al. Nope. Didn't play. Go on. Elliot Tomote. Tomote. Yeah, I remember that now. You mentioned yeah. No, yeah. Shabs played. Uh, Freddie, obviously. Harry J. Sponge. Was the one? Yeah. Essex had Tom Wesley, Jake Mickleber. Owe Shaw. Oh, Christ, it was a good yeah, side. He did, didn't he? Yeah. Dalesbury of now Durham fame and David Wainwright. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Big Dev. <laughs> I don't think any of us would have got that one. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, could, we could have been here till the next podcast. We wouldn't have got that one. Rufus, as Bobby calls him. Rufus, mate. <laughs> That's a niche nickname. I quite like that. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks very much, uh, Middle. I think that's been a terrific podcast. Um, thanks, Nick. Thanks, Vesta, um, as always, for coming on. Um, and all that's left to say is uh, thanks very much for listening to the Wimbledon, the Up and CC podcast, and we will see you at the clubhouse very, very soon. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, chaps. Cheers, boys.